everybody, and I wanted to welcome our guest today. Uh, this is Brian. Uh, he's going to tell us a little bit about himself, but hopefully you'll have a bit of an inspirational story today. Uh, hello and welcome, Brian. Hi, David. Thanks for having me. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm honored to be one of your speakers for the, is it the some kind of teaching summit, correct? Oh, yeah, the online teaching summit. Yes, okay. Very cool. So, Brian, how did you get your start teaching online? Uh, I'm going to backtrack to 2016. I was a teacher in South Korea from 2020, uh, 2011 until 2016. And then towards the end of 2016, I got tired of teaching. I got tired of being in Korea. And I thought, let me go back to Portland, Oregon, where I'm from, born and raised, and start my real life, as some people say. And so I, before I went back, I was traveling. I traveled like I think Hong Kong, Thailand, one or two other countries, um, because I didn't know when I could do that again, you know, down the road. And I remember one night, I believe it was in Thailand, for some reason, I decided to look in my spam folder, my email spam folder, for, uh, and I saw something that said like teach online for VIP kid and I didn't think anything of it I was like okay whatever and then I, I I passed out um enjoyed the remainder of my travels went back to Portland Oregon um what I had in mind wasn't didn't align with the reality of what Portland had become um a lot of people were moving into Portland um job market was hectic um and I struggled and I didn't really know what to do. I struggled for about two to three months. And then I went back to that email and I was like, okay, let me just give this VIP kid thing a try. And that was in January of 2017. And it was kind of like a last resort um, thing. Cause it's not, again, I didn't want to go back into teaching. I wanted to look into something with curriculum, like curriculum development or something along those lines or anything. Uh, I kind of got desperate. And so I really liked it, like VIP Kid. Um, I, I kind of fell in love with it. And, you know, I kind of wrote the wave until the wheels came off, unfortunately, in uh, yeah. 2021. And then I kind of transitioned to uh, private independent teaching. I also teach some Korean students as well through a very small online company in Korea. I believe there's only three or four teachers um, yeah. teaching with that company. And yeah, that's that's pretty much what I do. And that's uh, how I started. It was not planned whatsoever, but I'm glad that it happened. <laughs> but you got your start, looks like going, you, you you were already over in Korea. So you, what were you just planning on traveling for a while and just got into working in Korea? Or how did, how did your whole, it's kind of like the digital nomad thing start for you? Well, so I, so after I taught for six months in Portland and then with VIP Kid, and I thought, okay, let me take this back to um, Korea. And then I went back because like I was doing like graveyard shifts there and it's, I really respect those that did not only VIP Kid, but just any kind of online teaching on the West Coast. I believe that hours are like the worst hours you can have for anyone who's in the States. Yeah. Brutal. Um, so respect brutal. to it. Yeah. yeah. So respect to everyone who teaches in the States, especially on the West Coast. 
Um, so after six months, I decided to bring it back to uh, Korea. I did a bit of traveling. Um, I'm really big into long distance cycling. So I would sometimes short trips, like two to three days to various countries in Southeast Asia to do long distance cycling. And then I would, I times, but sometimes it was very I get lenient towards teachers, so I didn't risk. I didn't reaching. I knew where the network was stable. So for the most part, I just kind of taught um, in South Korea. All right. Okay. Well, then it sounds like you've been doing it for a while now. Twenty. What you said, twenty sixteen. So you must like something about it. What do you like the most about online teaching? Um, I guess flexibility, um, flexibility, the fact that to worry about things like student behavior, I guess student behavior still, but like you have the screen in front of you. So there's like that kind of aspect that you don't necessarily have to worry about. Um, just mainly the convenience, honestly, just the convenience, like, you know, you can wake up, roll out of bed, walk. 10 feet or like three meters, you know, to your, to your computer and um, presentable um, physically and mentally and just computer and just teach. Definitely. I love that too. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so there's people watching this that uh, are new to teaching. Uh, they might be thinking about getting into the online realm. What kind of advice do you have for individuals like that? Um, so in terms of like gaining traction and getting students or in student base, I don't really have any, I feel like anything that I would say not carry any substance. Um, my advice would be maybe to join one um, teaching program that some have. Um, I do think when you do get your students, treat them well, because I think word of mouth is the most powerful way and effective way to um, get more students, even though like I was kind of set because I had like an um, email and contact list when VIP Kid went down, like I was okay, but I still got a lot of uh, new students through word of mouth. I believe maybe at least a quarter of the current students that I teach were through word of mouth, students that I've never taught before um, uh, during VIP Kid. So I think in terms of like getting students, like I just, you know, I don't advertise, I guess is what some um, some of the teachers say, advertise on Little Red Book, uh, WeChat, I think, or Douyin, um, which I think is the Chinese TikTok. That's what I hear some teachers talking about. And then once you get a few students, I guess just treat them well and just, you know, like I said, word of mouth, I think is the way to go. Okay, cool. So you mentioned a minute ago that you're currently teaching for a Korean company, is that a physical school or is that online also? That's also online. That kind of, I got really lucky with that, the timing on that. I saw someone post a small, like an advertisement in one of the Korean teaching Facebook groups, um, teaching via Zoom or like online. This was like literally when everything shut down, like in China. I think it was the month, the month when it, everything shut down and I, I was applied and I, I, I got, um, so I think I got really lucky. It was luck more than anything. So <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, it's 
some sometimes yeah you just gotta luck into these positions and some of these things that are out there they just yeah. pop up and you find it and you're the one of the beginning people in it <laughs> exactly yeah. um for a while there like i think i first saw you on instagram sunny's teacher or something um how did you get started doing all that with your instagram stuff so we're going to backtrack with that as well oh. um i had a period of time in 2018 and 2019 again pre-covid where i got a lot of like i felt a deep sense of fulfillment teaching with vip kid and i wanted to um well initially i wanted to do some long distance cycling in china um and then so before going i guess some students found out that i was visiting Beijing and Tianjin and that's actually the the cycling route that I had intended on um cycling on and then like slowly but surely students started saying oh you're coming to Beijing like can you meet me can you meet me and then it became a point where my schedule was full and I couldn't even do that uh cycling trip yeah. but then that created like another that created another kind of like sense of like satisfaction like wow this is really cool to meet some of my students in person and um, it was kind of, it's, it was a new experience for everyone, right? Like the parents meeting someone online, like, you know, you, you had this interaction with um, the student, but, you know, obviously it's all digital and then you meet them in person. It was a very unique experience for everyone. It was new, it was unique. And I kind of got um, addicted to that for, 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 for a while. Like I met over 30 students and Sonny was one of the students that I met. Um, I posted a few videos, interactions that I had with him on, I think Facebook and also on Instagram. He was this guy that had uh, no filters, would swear whenever he wanted, but he did it in a way where the intonation and the tone was like what you would hear when someone is pissed off, like back home. And the teachers just loved it. And like it, for me too, like I was just shocked. And so that's kind of how that started. And then that kind of started another thing after I meeting um, my students in person and then kind of posting on an Instagram and then COVID hit. And then I just started posting like not only Sunny, but just other um, just funny, cute, like just memorable interactions with some of my students. And so I was doing that and sat down. And then since then I've been pretty much inactive, but that's I love my store my instagram my teaching instagram i guess for a period of a few years so yeah did you find that that gave you uh access to finding some new students or was it just a creative outlet for you just a creative outlet like i just wanted to share with the community maybe um like just also connect with some teachers because i know like so when teachers saw some of those videos they're like oh yeah i totally have the student who does the same thing or like oh student like you know, like does this or does that. So just it, being able to interact with the teachers, um, I didn't really think of it as an outlet of trying to get like students. There have been a few teachers on Instagram who said like, oh, um, like, you know, I'm not teaching online anymore. Like I have a student who's looking for a teacher. Could you maybe do a demo class? I've had like maybe a handful of teachers who have reached out and asked me for that. But like in terms of my intent, my intent was never really to, I guess after everything shut down, my intent was never really to look for students. Just to connect with the teaching community, pretty much. Okay. So now you basically have a, your home base is in South Korea, correct? Yes, correct. That's I have a green, basically I have like a green card there. Well, that's awesome. How did, how did you manage that? Uh, well, 
Uh, my wife is Korean. We've been together. Oh, wow. It'll be 13 years this month. Oh, my God. It's been that long. <laughs> but um, <No. laughs> um, I was an exchange student also in South Korea for a year before I uh, taught. So I was an exchange student in 2010. And, you know, just looking to have fun. And I wasn't expecting to, like, meet anyone seriously long term. And she's, I met her there. Uh, in South Korea, and so yeah, I do have a green card, so I'm I do have like a home. Um, so that's what I call I guess home away from home. So yeah, that's that's awesome. Because uh, a lot of teachers, I I think that we all look at traveling and teaching, and this is a being able to teach online gives us that ability to travel. Um, do you get out a lot, or are you pretty much just uh, between South Korea and uh, Portland, as you said? Just again, like it was just like neighboring countries when I did cycle and I knew like if I was staying, there was a few places where I stayed in the Airbnb, Airbnb, particularly in like Japan and I knew the Wi-Fi was like really good. And then I like opened up some slots or like teach. I, I did that a few times, I think in Japan and also in Taiwan, but I didn't really like go all out. Because again, I was, you know, I know there are, there are some, I'm sure there were some teachers before who were traveling and maybe the Wi-Fi was a bit spotty and then they got maybe like IT issues that became maybe cancellations and you know the kid like you know the cancellation policy is pretty strict and you're that's 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 pretty much a losing battle um in most cases so like unless again so unless the Wi-Fi I knew was like good like good enough or like almost for sure like I didn't really want to take that risk so. yeah so is that kind of why you stopped traveling as much then is and try to and settle down? Well, um, like I guess again, so like when I when I when I in, uh, planned on doing the Beijing detention cycling trip, but then like I kind of fell in love with meeting students that kind of took over for a while in 2018 and 2019. And I always did want to like go back and like visit other countries and cycle and then like COVID hit. And then that pretty much like shut everything down. And then like I um, I now have a toddler, um, so, like, I don't think I'll be doing any, like, significant traveling or, like, cycling in the near future, so, um, it is, yeah. it is tricky with that, with the young ones, uh, I think yeah, we, absolutely. we didn't, we didn't really, we, we waited, mine was about seven months old, we got, we took a big trip, and then another, then our next really big trip wasn't until he was almost two, and that was when we went to China for the first time, so. Oh. Seven. Seven months, wow. Yeah, so at wow. seven months old, we we went to the beaches in uh, uh, Virgin Islands and things like that. So he, uh, so that was his first passport stamp. Nice. <laughs> so it can be done, but it's it, it's tricky. Yeah, you gotta it, you gotta plan it Challenging. out really well. It's, it's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, diapers are an issue. We we changed the diaper the diaper on the Great Wall. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, do what you got to do? I don't know if any. I don't know if, if there's a lot of people that could say they've done that. Well, there's a lot of photos on Chinese social media of my kid getting his diaper changed. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> so traveling is a big thing um, uh, for a lot of people. But um, how long did you travel bef uh, before or during this whole thing? Was it just the 2018 2019 or uh was it a little bit more before that because i know you said you were in south korea before all that too local 2017 2017 as well um 
I think I did a yeah, I did a bit of cycling tour like from the end of 2017 up until like late 2018, early 2019. So yeah, I did I did also some travel prior to like all that as well. Um, but again, like the with the like teaching while traveling, unless I knew was pretty certain that the Wi-Fi was okay, like I didn't risk it. I didn't chance it. Yeah, because that yeah, it is tricky. Now that you're a freelance teacher, you teach your own students. How do you manage uh, your schedule? Mm, so I teach Monday to Saturday. Monday to Friday is about three to four hours. And then Saturday, I teach a little bit more, four and a half, five hours. Saturday is kind of like the middle school students and some high school students because their schedules are just, you probably know, like it's, it's hectic. So like a lot of times they don't have time on during the weekdays or like they stay at school. I guess they stay like in dormitories. And so they're only home on like Saturdays or Sundays. And then when they come back, a lot of times they have like this class, that class, this class, that class. And so, yeah, I teach the middle, most of the middle schools, high school students that I have on the weekend, uh, just on Saturday. Um, Sunday, it's just kind of time for myself or like spend with my wife or daughter um, or, you know, do whatever we need to do. Um, so yeah, in total, I think I'm about, I don't know, 25 hours, 25, give or take an hour or two a week. So That's pretty decent. And how many countries have you taught from? Uh, U.S. Hold on. I got to think here. US, Korea, Japan, Taiwan. I think there's one more, but I can't remember. Four, but I think there's one more, but I can't, I, I don't remember. Four or five. Five, okay. In total. In total, all right, yeah. And it's always different. Like, uh, how do you prepare? Like, some countries, you, I know that you have to have different uh, different plugs for your computer or your device. Um, and how do you prepare, make sure that you have the right equipment or that the connection is going to be stable? connection I test before like when I get there they, I, I forget the website test my connection or test my IP or something.com I use that um for like the outlets I always make sure I carry them like always like never forget that if you do you're you're screwed <laughs> or you just don't teach um if you didn't like already open like your your, your uh, what you teach um that's pretty much it though I think like it, it be, kind of almost became like second nature to like remember to bring the cloak like uh, plugs and just test the internet there uh obviously ask beforehand but just make just when you get there test test because you know you want to make you you never know if what person says aligns with the actual reality of the situation so that's pretty much it all right all right so when you were traveling um did you travel with anyone or you're pretty much solo traveler time solo solo especially like cycling because I kind of go at my own pace and um, I don't know, like if I travel with others, cause cycling was kind of the, my main um, focus. So like, I just, if someone like kind of dragged me down, not to like, you know, bad mouth anyone in a bad way, but just, I kind of wanted to go at my own pace. So I felt like I wasn't responsible for anyone else or vice versa. So I'm only mainly solo. Solo. Now, did you, did you teach while cycling too? So did you like like have your laptop in your backpack that you're on your cycle? I did, I did. But like I, I 
barely packed anything. Like I'm, I don't, it's not like I'm hauling like a, like a, like a huge duffel bag or like one of those big, like hiking backpacks. Like I really kept it like to the bare, like minimum basics. I thought it was crazy because when I first started traveling, we did carry on only. We had one of the big, you know, big backpacks um, each and, and your personal item. Uh, but it's got to be even more minimalistic doing it on a cycle, especially teaching and making sure you have the right equipment and still keeping it light. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like my backpack, it was, a bit, you know, a bit heavier than what I would uh, like, but like, you know, you, you, it, it had to be done like that way. If not, like I'd be haul, you know, I'd be hauling like stuff that would like derail me or like prevent me from getting to where I need to go. Yeah, that's that's interesting. That's probably a, a pretty cool story in its in itself. So, what was the most interesting, like, journey you ended up doing that you taught while you were on that journey? Mm, probably the I think probably the Taiwan one. Like, I um, it was a two day like almost I guess two hundred kilometer trip, and um, I stopped in like this little port town like in the northern edge of Taiwan. And I taught a few classes there, and then I went back to Taipei. Um, that was probably the most memorable, like, I guess in terms of, like, scenic and off-the-wall route uh, while being able to teach. Um, and that's a route that I want to do again, in the, like, hopefully in the future before I croak. Um, and may, we'll see. Maybe, maybe I'll go back and maybe teach in that same, that same city again. That's pretty, that, that is pretty cool. That is pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Um, and so you kind of described your average work week. Um, now, there are probably some teachers out there that are new parents also, like yourself. How do you balance work life uh, while teaching? It's not easy. Like, um, and I think as, you know, you're a parent, I'm a parent. I think, we, you know, we're not special because there's millions of us that have to deal with these kind of like day-to-day -day circumstances of raising a child or children. Um, so I'm very fortunate that I can control my schedule. Um, I think that's one of another good thing about teaching independently online. Um, it's why I cap it at about 25 hours a week. I could teach more if I want to. Um, I do have a waiting list. I'm not saying that like in a, like a, like a you know, bragging way, but I do have like a waiting list, but like it, for me, like to see the, the, the day-to-day -day life of my daughter like grow up and like you know achieve accomplish and achieve new things like the little milestones I'm sure you you experience it as well with your son um for me that's more important than trying to teach like over the top or like to the point where I get exhausted or burned out um so I feel very fortunate that I am able to control my schedule but at the same time spend time with my wife help out with like chores if not we're gonna drown like in, in all the like pile of chores that, you know, they pile up fast, right? You got to keep your head above yeah. water. Uh, um, so, yeah, I think just the only thing really that has changed is my free time, like has gone to almost zero. And like before, before my daughter was born last year, like I was, I worked a lot on like curriculum on, on the website and also on like teachers, they teachers, but also like on, on the website and, um, I haven't had as much time to do that. Like that's, you know, and it's hard to find consistency to work on that. So, I mean, I do think there, I, there is kind of some balance. It could be worse. So I am thankful at the end of the day that I'm able to control my schedule where I don't feel like the sense of getting like, you know, get burned out. Um, but yeah, just 
things that you want to do are no longer a prior priority or like it's no longer on like the top of the list in terms of like things that need to get done so yes definitely and trust me it does get better yeah you're in that first year of quarantine i've heard really... that like yeah i heard it gets better <laughs> it's not always instant and it's never back to the way it was but uh yeah, yeah. um there's a lot of cool rewarding things that are still ahead of you My, mine's 10 so we've gone through some crazy stuff and now we're going to getting ready to go into teen years so <laughs> but um there's a lot of people who get a little nervous hearing about traveling to places that are unfamiliar outside of the U.S., outside of their comfort zone. Um, now, what is, if you don't mind sharing, what's like the quality of life that you have in South Korea, like 25 hours a week of teaching people are like, what? That's like half, that's like part-time work. And people get a little scared and wonder, what's, it, what's his quality of life look like to, uh, in type situations? Um, I mean, I think, I don't know. I don't like the whole idea of like 40 hours full-time, anything less part-time. Like, I don't like, I don't like, like how we put like a, I don't want to say arbitrary number on that, but like, you know, 25 hours for me in South Korea, like it's more than enough to get my daily necessities, pay like the, you know, the general bills that you have to pay and still have a little bit to save. Um. So for me, like quality of life in Korea is doing like online teaching is exceptional because the average actually in Korea, the average work week is legally 52 hours. And actually the government is actually trying to push it to 69 hours a week. So like for me, I have nothing to complain about. Um, so, you know, when I'm with my friend saying like, oh, you only teach 25 hours a week, blah, blah, blah. Like, how do you, blah, blah, blah. you know, like exactly what you just said a minute ago. Like I've had friends who have said that for me like I am fully tent and I think that's the most important thing if you focus on the internal um, and as long as your internal is in sync with I guess where you are and maybe where you want to be down the road like that's nothing else matters every country seems to have different standards of living different comfort levels uh, I, I, we found places with beautiful I mean, 25, I, I work about the same amount as you do, 25 hours a week. And beautiful, beautiful places. Um, never have to really want for food. It's not like the U.S. where 25 hours a week doesn't really go very far um, unless you've got yourself right, right. a stock trading job um, type situation. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I just, I always tell people, Give it a shot. Go try out a new place, and 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 you can see for yourself how how much further your your money does go. Especially if you're charging your students in dollars, which most of us teachers seem to. Um, that situation. Hmm. So, I was curious. You've talked talked about your some of your coolest experiences. Have you ever had any like really rough experiences while teaching and traveling? Um, not really, like, not really, like, I feel like I plan everything, not thoroughly, but, like, well enough where there's no major hiccups that are out of my control, like, I haven't really had any issues, fortunately, so mm -hmm. in that regard, I don't think I really have anything that I can share in that regard. 
Nice. That's good for you. <laughs> yeah. How did uh how did like the when COVID happened uh, and you were you were you were still overseas at the time, right? Yes, correct. So how did how did that affect your your teaching? Did you teach more? Did you teach less? Um, what what happened for you at that point? Uh, I taught more actually because, you know. At the time, COVID was this new disease or whatever you want to call it. And, you know, it obviously was hampering like the student students in China and they had nothing to do. So, it, you know, like I think for the teachers who could, who taught a lot of classes or it was kind of a bit easier for them to get bookings if they open up the slots, they generally teach more. So um, I was one of those that took I'm teaching more. Yeah. I don't know, maybe an extra five to seven hours a week off and on during like 2021. So I definitely rode the wave, took advantage and uh, taught, taught a bit more. Right. And then what, 15, 18 months later, the, the whole thing came down to the political stuff from China and most of these the online companies had to stop employing us. How did uh, how did you pivot mm -hmm. at that point? I felt like I was probably going to be okay. Now I did was also still a bit nervous at the same time about the uncertainty, uncertainty, or like will government like crack down on your and like ban you from teaching like um, students uh, online you know, independently or like will like foreign, foreign, like uh, people's like uh, WeChat IDs become banned, like things like that. Like those kind of things kind of like worried me a little bit. Um, but in terms of like pivoting, I wasn't too concerned because I had built up like the contact list from previous years. And in the end that combined with finding the small teaching company in Korea, um, fortunately, um, the pivot was pretty smooth. I think it, it, I don't think it could have gone any better, honestly. So it worked out in the end. That's good. sounds like you were prepared. You already had your list of students and, um, and contacts ready. Uh, some people were caught a little off guard and weren't able to have everything ready to go. Um, now you said you also have a list of students that are like a waiting list. Do you do any marketing at all, or is it just mainly word of mouth between your students sharing your information? Um, I've never done any marketing. What I did do as things were like spiraling downhill and when when like the Epic and the other companies were kind of coming down to an end, I did make a big group, like a, a WeChat group of you know, like over 100 parents, can't remember the exact number. Um, but I didn't do any active marketing. Um, usually, parents were actually using that to like talk to each other about like what customer service was saying, like, you know, blah, 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 like whether or not they were, you know, they're like, oh, like they said, like, if we switched three, like if we switched how many, however many active classes, we'll get three times the amount of the, the pre-recorded AI classes. Um, so it was, it was, it was beneficial for the parents to kind of like find out what's going on. Um, cause some of them were totally like clueless, like some of them were like in the dark. Um, and some of them, they did kind of mention like, like in the 
chat group like oh brian are you like are you teaching independently blah 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 and then like that kind of helped a little bit i think so creating that group did help but in terms of active marketing like no no i haven't done any like active marketing i did do a little bit on chinese tiktok um that was actually um with vip kid though there was a few teachers that were picked to like do that so i did that for a few, few months and i actually did have one parent like reach out and say like can you teach like independently um but again i wasn't fishing for that um it right. just kind of like happened and i didn't i think i just said no sorry or something at the time um but yeah no 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 fortunately i haven't had to do any like active marketing for myself okay. how did all of this pivot into you making some of your own lessons because i know you've got your intermediate and advanced lessons i've always wanted to create lessons I uh, like it was kind of just something that I've always enjoyed doing like even making like you know when I think about university like you projects making PPTs making kind of flashy like kind of um, catchy appealing like that's always been kind of interesting uh, an interest of mine and that's kind of what I wanted to do when I thought I was going to come back to Portland in uh, late 2016 and you know that's always been in the back of my mind like that'd be cool if I could uh Try to do it. Actually, before it down, I actually did teach two students independently. Um, starting was twenty. They had finished their contracts with VIP kids. They weren't going to continue, and they just said, "Like, can we just do this independently?" And I felt like I wasn't crossing any, you know, I I put anything wrong. It wasn't me like asking them to be my students, and they were finishing up. Them had no more classes left so actually with those first two students is when I actually started making lessons um for them and then I just kind of built it up over time and then when things closed down like okay like let I can actually use these lessons for some of my other students who are like at the intermediate and advanced level and that's when I started really like making them um for a period of about six months before my daughter came through this world since then it's kind of been off and on um but yeah, and it's it's really fun. Like it's I don't feel like it's um something that like it's like um, it's like a drag or like oh I gotta do it. Like it's really fun for me, and I want it to be engaging and presentable. And I I feel like you know, everything is on me in a sense in terms of what I'm teaching students. Um, and I want them. I want it to be um just not something where you memorize something or facts or history and you just regurgitate it. You know, I want it to be like about life or like things that I've like picked up like in my you know, during my times of traveling or just what I've learned and what I think is important, you know, and a lot of what they do learn in schools is just like for, for a piece of paper and a number on it. Um, and I don't want it to be about that. So yeah, that's kind of, I guess, yeah, my lessons really did start, I guess, in 20, late 2020. And I just kind of made it more of a serious thing since then, uh, especially after VIP Kid shut down. How many, how many lessons do you have at this point? between 100 to 100 and maybe 125 130 now I, I know i only have the pros and cons like on the website but i think tweaking it to where i can put everything in there will take a lot of time and it's hard it's really hard to find consistency right now at one point i do want to like that on there and then like the other remaining lessons that i do have um ah. but yeah in total i think about somewhere between 100 to 125 oh so many lessons how have you found time to make all of these lessons? Because so you like, have quality, yeah. 
yeah, like, again, I, I don't know, just, I would, my wife would be around 11, and then literally from 11 to, I don't know, 132, I'd just be up, like, just doing it, like, at the time, I, I just, I'm just, I'm just going, I'm just going, I don't know, I'm, I, I don't really know how to explain it, it's kind of like, I'm in the zone, yeah, and I'm just, like, doing it, it's fun. Like I it. I enjoy myself. Do you have a favorite one that you've created? Um, I like. I really like the ones that kind of delve into the future, like pros and cons, like robots. Like what what life would be like with robots. Where I created a few scenarios that I think could happen and are actually are happening, and just like um, having this in in the lesson, it has the students explain what's happening in the scenario. And then kind of sharing their general thoughts about it, whether it's good or bad, why or why not. It's probably like my favorite one, but just anything in general that has to do with the unknown. There's no right or wrong answer. It's just you, what, how do you interpret this thing out in 20 years or 30 years or whatever timeline we're thinking about? Those are probably my favorite lessons to create. Um, yeah. And people who don't know that one, I think that one is free on the site right now also. Uh, for people to check out and try that robots one. So, and I think we'll have it linked here at the bottom as well for people to take a look at. So, all right. Well, what tips do you have for people who either want to pick a home base uh, abroad and they want to find the right place for them? What kind of tips do you have? Um... First, I think, like, if, I think it's easier for teachers who have, like, kind of stepped outside of their bubble and um, kind of experienced a different type of culture or different type of environment, landscape. Because, like, for me, when I was an exchange student, like, it was literally in the boonies in Korea. There were no, like, English signs outside of our university. So, like, things like that, um, I think, really helped me to become like I guess the traveler that I was for a period of time you know like I didn't really have really feeling solo like you know obviously if, when I cycled and maybe like I would cycle near like a small highway or something like that you know I, I crossed my fingers that no truck or someone's going to accidentally like you know not pay attention and just like hit me you know things like that but um, I think teachers have already experienced sense of maybe discomfort or being outside of their bubble tether. I think that's obviously helpful. My understanding like where you need to pay is also important because I feel like sometimes when teachers ask for help in that regard in some posts, sometimes there is just crickets or there's not a lot of comments. And also because maybe teachers don't know. Um, and so I think that's also something that teachers should have at least some sense of idea on. I mean, it's not like you earn like whatever forty dollars an hour, and it's forty dollars an hour like this before taxes. Um, um, and just I guess understand the cost of living. Just understand if ever you're whether once or six months. Um, just the general roundings. Um, when you get there, just know, just kind of get an idea of um where things are. Um. I think you should ask for help when you need help, but don't at the same time, don't be a leech. Like, you know, make sure that you do 
when wherever you are, like make sure that you do have the um, necessary funds in case there is a unfortunate event that happens that's outside of your control. Um, I think that's probably most of it. Yeah, it sounds like you talked. You caught on. You touched on a lot of good issues there. Um, I guess kind of the last thing then is: is there one unexpected thing or challenging thing that's popped up from having to teach abroad um, that you probably would want people to be aware of? Um, challenging events teaching abroad. Um. Not really. Just make sure, like, well, so when I taught, when I, when I, when I, when I taught in Portland for six months and then brought VIP kids back to Korea in 2017, like I had two laptops. So just, and there were a few times where one of my laptop did go kaput temporarily. Um, so I think just make sure that you have a backup device. Um, and Wi-Fi, if you do have like a cell phone or like, data on your phone make sure you can use that as a backup i guess just make sure that you have a backup for everything in case something like doesn't work at that time um i even had two webcams for a period of time as well because i actually had one that like just like died on me in one of my classes one time so like i guess just make sure that you just prepare in advance because you know sometimes these things do happen when you leave when you don't expect them to happen so just um, expect the unexpected. Expect the unexpected. Yes. <laughs> excellent advice. Excellent advice. How about some parting advice for uh, those who want to start creating their own lessons and getting them out there, whether they're doing it for themselves or whether they just want to make some side income on that? I think posting free samples and, um, or like maybe posting a few free lessons and getting feedback from teachers um would be maybe the first thing that I would do and that's actually what I did uh I think beginning of last year I like posted a few free, free samples um I do these were lessons that I already um had my students uh use but like I wanted to hear from perspective of other teachers um I think also don't expect your first lesson to like don't have the I guess perfectionist mindset because then if you have that mindset you're either going to take forever or you might not even start, or you might just waste your time. Um, just, you know, just, I don't know, just open up PowerPoint or Google Drive or whatever it is that you use, make your lessons and just make a lesson and then uh, share it for free and, you know, see see what the teachers say, um, see, see what the people say, because that's the market, essentially, if you do end up selling it online and, you know, then you can get the feedback and then uh, use it to um, better yourself and better the lessons um you're creating creating excellent advice yeah teachers are smart they're and they know what they need to do to teach their students so they're getting they're, they do give good feedback i love that absolutely absolutely all right well thank you for your time today brian do you have any anything else that you'd like to share with everybody today um really just like you know just be happy. Um, and David, again, thank you for having me on here. Um, it was a pleasure chatting with you. And, and yeah, just be happy. Be happy. I like that. that's great parting advice. 
All right. Well, thank you, Brian. It's been a pleasure. And I'm sure that uh, we'll have some people taking a look at uh, your materials. Again, he's got the pros and cons on the site right now. Uh, intent on adding other stuff as he gets more time. So thank you again, Brian. And uh, yeah, uh, we will be in touch, I'm sure. We'll be in touch, I'm sure. Sounds good, David. Sounds good. Thanks. Thanks again. Hey there, fellow teachers and digital nomads. We're thrilled to have you here soaking up the wisdom from our videos featuring your peers. But hey, we're not just here to entertain you. We want to hear from you. Got a burning topic that you want us to cover? Or maybe you got an awesome story, an intriguing insight you want to share with your peers? Well, don't be shy. Here's us an email at contact at thetutorresource.com or drop us a message on Facebook. Your voice matters, and we want to amplify it in our awesome community. Thanks again for watching, and remember to like, subscribe, and smash that notification bell to be alerted when new videos are published. Take care.